This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Hi, it is 10 past 2 and uh, Judaism 101.9, it certainly is here on Chai FM on a Wednesday afternoon. Wonderful to be in your company and on a very, very special Wednesday afternoon because we are moving close to a beautiful, beautiful day. The day called Lag Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. If uh, you're counting the Sfirat Omer, the days between Pesach and Shavuot, you will know that uh, last night we counted 32, which means that tonight is Lag Omer. Lag Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. Of course, the letters Lamed and Gimel added together, spelling the word Lag is Lamed is 30, Gimel is 3, 33rd day of the Omer. And the 33rd day of the Omer, we know, occurs on the 18th of Iyar. Today is the 17th of Iyar, which means tonight and tomorrow is the 18th. And we all know that we love the number 18 because... Everybody knows that that number 18 is Chai, and there is a special Chai, there is a special Chaius, there is a special feeling of life and of energy and of change that this special Chag, the special festival of Lagba Omer tonight and tomorrow brings. So tonight people go out and they make bonfires tomorrow, spending time perhaps in uh, fun activities, uh, parks and so on, where children are brought and um, some of the symbols, which we'll talk about a little bit later, of uh, the fires and of bows and arrows and so on have become synonymous with this incredibly beautiful, wonderful Chag, this wonderful day. And of course, most people know it as the day on which the students of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying. Yes, that terrible, terrible plague that befell the Talmidim, the students of the great, wondrous and wonderful Rabbi Akiva, um, did not perish, did not die anymore on this day of Lagba Omer. Um, and therefore, it has become a day in which most people's minds is a day on which death ceased. However, there is a strange twist. Something very, very interesting is that the day of Lagba Omer also commemorates the Yorzeit, the anniversary of the passing of the great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, otherwise known in his abbreviated name as Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, every year when Lagba Omer comes around, <coughs> we remember this great Tana. He was a Mishnaic sage quoted in many, many places in the Talmud. His name, Rabbi Shimon Yabar Yochai, and in fact, he passed away on this day, well, it will be tonight and tomorrow, um, about 18 centuries ago. So it's uh, a long, long time, close on 1900 years ago, and uh, pious Jews and others alike make a great pilgrimage Tonight and tomorrow, this afternoon, if you were in Israel, you would know that all buses and all transport and all public and otherwise transport leads to a place called Miron, Kfar Miron, which is in the north of Israel, not that far from the city of Tzfat, up right in the north. And uh, people go there because that is the burial place of this great and holy Torah scholar, uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the caver, the grave of the Rashbi. It becomes the central focal point tonight and tomorrow, believe it or not, to, I guess, close on half a million people. And I'm not um, in any way trying to exaggerate the numbers. People from all walks of life, from all denominations of uh, Jewish um, uh, 
commitment to um, uh, Yiddishkeit, to Judaism, from the Hasidim uh, to the Misnagdim to the um, uh, the Ashkenazim, the Svardim, um, the religious, the irreligious. People make this incredible pilgrimage. It is a place to be. It has been termed the uh, Lahavdil, Jewish Woodstock. But it's far, far more than that because people are gathering at the gravesite of this great and incredibly powerful scholar, as we said, going back close on 2,000 years um, to uh, the times of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai um, to pray there, to uh, uh, sing there, to dance there, to create and make bonfires there. And in fact, a big part of this evening's um, proceedings, which you could probably live stream these days um, on various websites and you could um, get a camera look in um, tonight. It's quite a beautiful thing to do um, is uh, to take a look at the proceedings, which will go on all night tonight at the gravesite of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in this town called Miron, where literally, and uh, you're not going to believe the crowds, I think that last year I saw some sort of drone pictures that were taken over the area. It is unbelievable. You've never seen a crowd like it. It is something incredible that happens today, tonight in Israel. And uh, who was this great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? What was he truly all about? Perhaps it will be interesting to go a little bit into the history of this great man to understand what it is that people are going there for and that they all gather for this evening and tomorrow in this place, Kfar Miron, in the north of Israel. Well, perhaps let's begin at the beginning. Rabbi Shimon, when he was a young boy, studied in the great academy of the scholars of Yavne. And that was founded by the great Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who died just about the time that Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was born. So Rabbi Shimon's great principal teacher was the famous Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva had an academy at a place called Bnei Brak. Yet yeah, we mentioned them in the uh, place at Bnei Brak, which was a center of Jewish teaching and life at that time. Um, we mentioned them a few weeks ago in the Haggadah, um, the academies and the people from Bnei Brak. Uh, Rabbi Shimon was such a great student of the great Rabbi Akiva that, in fact, Rabbi Akiva referred to him as his son. And it's a well-known uh, part of uh, Jewish teaching that very often a son and a father in uh, teaching terms were not necessarily biological sons and fathers, but rather in terms of teacher and pupil, teacher and student. And this was the way Rabbi Akiva referred to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, it was the time of the terrible, cruel Emperor Hadrian of Rome, um, and it was uh, during a tremendous persecution by Hadrian that the Talmudic academies were shut down and the study of Talmud was forbidden on penalty of death. But Rabbi Akiva continued to teach publicly and his devoted student, Shimon, stayed by his side right up until Rabbi Akiva was arrested. And even then, Shimon continued to visit his master in prison to receive instruction, to receive some pearls of wisdom and some teaching from him there. Finally, death separated them because Rabbi Akiva was condemned to die a martyr's death 
um, for Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name. And we read about Rabbi Akiva, of course, and the horrible and terrible death that he suffered in the uh, segment of the martyrs that we read on um, in the in the Musaf prayer of Yom Kippur Day. Um, terrible, terrible, cruel, um, obscene, and horrific death that he suffered at the hands of the Romans. So those were very, very difficult times for the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Brutal, brutal persecution. And it was particularly difficult for sages to study, um, whether it was Talmud or to teach. And it was a penalty of death that hung over their heads for uh, doing this. And so the uh, ordaining sage and the ordained scholar um, would be put to death if they were caught, both teacher and pupil. And therefore, the whole of religious life fell into danger until the great Rabbi Huda ben Baba publicly ordained five famous scholars defying Hadrian's cruel decree. So he stood up and made this huge statement of uh, pronouncing um, ordainment in uh, rabbinics and it wasn't just anybody that he picked upon but five great scholars and he defied the decree of Hadrian and Rabbi Shimon was one of these students another one was the famous Rabbi Meir the Roman authorities soon were on hot on the heels of these dauntless Jewish champions and the ordained scholars escaped but Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba was caught and he too was put to death this is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Now, if you're getting tired of the um, music without instruments that is played during this period of time um, on these shows, tomorrow you can listen to real music um, for Lag Boomer. But let's get back to where we were talking about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the history of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And um, we were up to the fact that Rabbi Akiva had died and now... Five great sages were appointed by Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba to become ordained, and the uh, Romans were out there searching for them. And finally, Hadrian actually died himself, and his decrees were then no longer enforced with the same brutality as before. But um, the leading sages of the time gathered to consider ways and means of restoring Jewish religious life. And amongst the leading sages gathered at Usha, we once again meet up with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. The sages, for reasons of safety, then moved to Yavne, and they were sitting in conference in a vineyard. The leading sages then were Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi HaKalili, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And they were discussing what attitude to take towards the Roman government. Rabbi Yehuda suggested a friendly one. Rabbi Yossi expressed no opinion, but Rabbi Shimon spoke very bitterly of the Roman tyrants and advocated every possible defiance. Rabbi Shimon could never forget the terrible sight of his beloved master and teacher, Rabbi Akiva, being tortured to death by the Roman executioners. And the sages sat there debating this, not aware of the fact that their conversation was being overheard by a certain young man whose name was Yehuda ben Gairim. And at one time, a disciple of Rabbi Shimon, this Yehuda ben Gerim, turned into a spy for the Roman authorities. This man reported the conversation of the sages to the Roman authorities, and at once they decreed honor and rank for Rabbi Yehuda for speaking favorably of them. They 
um, exiled Rabbi Yossi for failing to do so, and they summarily sentenced Rabbi Shimon to death for daring to challenge them. Rabbi Shimon then was on the run. He fled for his life together with his son, Rabbi Elazar. And for some time, they stayed in hiding in the base Medrash, in the academy, where Rabbi Shimon's wife brought them bread and water daily. And when the search was intensified, they decided to, to seek a better hiding place. Without telling anyone of their whereabouts, they hid in a cave. Now, a miracle happened. Um, the story has it that a carob tree sprung up at the entrance to the cave and a spring of fresh water um, also sprung at the entrance to that cave. And Rabbi Shimon and his son Elazar dwelt in this cave for no less than 12 years, sustaining themselves only on caribs and water. But during that time, they studied and prayed until they really became the holiest, most spiritual sages of their day. At the end of this 12-year period, the prophet Eliyahu brought them the good tidings of a change in the government and that there had been a reprieve of the death sentence. Now, the father and son, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, left the cave and they passed by a field where they saw Jewish farmers toiling on their land and they said, imagine people giving up the sacred study of the Torah for worldly matters. No sooner did they say these words and all the produce of the field went up in smoke. So holy were these people, were these men with such great spiritual powers that they could do that just by saying these words of imagined people giving up their sacred study of Torah for worldly matters and the whole field went up in smoke and they heard then a heavenly voice saying, have you come out to destroy my world? Go back to your cave. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Lazar returned to the cave for another 12 months and left it again only after they heard the same heavenly voice calling for them that it was now time to leave. This time they came out with a completely different outlook on life. When they saw a Jew carrying two bunches of myrtle rushing home on a Friday afternoon, they asked him what he was going to do with the myrtle. It's to adorn my house in honor of the Shabbos, the man replied. Wouldn't one bunch of myrtle be sufficient to fill your house with fragrance, they asked, and the stranger replied, I'm taking two bunches, one to remember the Shabbos day, and the other to keep the Shabbos day holy. Remember that that was the way that it's termed in the um, Ten Commandments, Zachor and Shamor, Shamor and Zachor. We say it every Friday night in our L'chadodi, Shamor v'Zachor b'dibur echad. It was said in one voice, the idea of remembering and the idea of keeping Shabbos. Now, this was what the stranger replied, two bunches of myrtle, one for Shamor and one for Zachor. And Rabbi Shimon said to his son, have a look at how precious are the precepts of our Torah to our brethren. Satisfied that despite all the decrees and persecutions of the cruel Roman rulers, the Jews clung to the commandments and especially Shabbos. And Rabbi Shimon and his son were so encouraged by this beautiful, beautiful sight. Um, and, and as they proceeded on their way, they met Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, another famous scholar about whom there's so many wondrous and beautiful stories in the Talmud. Pinchas ben Yair was Rabbi Shimon's father-in-law. And he came out to meet um, his 
um, his son-in-law and his son-in-law's son. Seeing the terrible effects of the prolonged cave life upon the health of his son-in-law, Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair burst into tears, but Rabbi Shimon consoled him, saying that he could never have attained such a high degree of scholarship and divine wisdom had he not spent so many years in the cave. So... Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yair, seeing the sores and the skin falling off literally from the body of Rabbi Shimon, was distraught. Rabbi Shimon encouraged him and said, had I not spent the time in the cave, I would not have gained the scholarship and this divine wisdom. Rabbi Shimon then settled in the town of Tokoa, where he founded a great academy. The greatest scholars of the time gathered there to receive instruction from Rabbi Shimon, and among them was Rabbi Yehuda the son of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, the Nossi, and later the compiler of the Mishnah. One day, Rabbi Shimon bent, met Yehuda ben Gerim, remember the treacherous spy who had caused him so much trouble, and Rabbi Shimon exclaimed, Is this man still alive? And soon afterwards, Yehuda ben Gerim died. Once again, religious persecution increased, and the Romans prohibited Shabbos observance, and other important Jewish laws. The sages decided to send a delegation to Rome, and they chose Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai to head that delegation. When they came to Rome, they heard that the daughter of the Roman emperor had lost her mind and that no one could cure her. Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai proceeded to the palace, and he asked for permission to treat the patient. After a few days' treatment, the princess became well. In gratitude, the emperor told Rabbi Shimon that he could choose the most precious thing in his treasury. Rabbi Shimon found there the original decrees of persecution and claimed them as his reward, and he thus succeeded in bringing great salvation to his people. Now, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was one of the greatest teachers of Jewish law and ethics. His many sayings and laws in the Talmud reflect his holiness of character and his devotion to the Torah. Once he said, if I were present at the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, I would have demanded two mouths one for continuous study of the words of Torah and the other for eating. But then he admitted that this would not have been very wise, since even now when man has one mouth, he says so many wrong things, how much more so if he had two. And even though he lived a life of a recluse for many years, Rabbi Shimon knew the importance of good human relationships. He said man should rather jump into the fiery furnace than offend another one in public. To deceive anyone by words is worse than cheating him out of money. He who lets arrogance get the better of him is like the heathen worshipping idols. In the ethics of our fathers in Pirkei Ovis, which we study now on Shabbos afternoons during the uh, months between Pesach and Shavuot, we find this saying, there are three crowns, the crown of the Torah, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of royalty, but the crown of a good name excels above them all. Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai is the famed author of the sacred Zohar, otherwise translated in the, the word Zohar means brilliance, which contains the mystical interpretations of the Torah and is the chief source of the Kabbalah. And for many generations, the teaching of the Zohar was studied by select few scholars until the great scholar, Rabbi Moshe ben Shemtov de Leon published the Zohar about 700 years ago. Rabbi Shimon is also the author of the Sifri, as well as the Mechilta of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, this great mystic, this great sage, this great man, died in Miron, a village near Tzfas in the land of Israel. It's approximately 10 kilometers, I guess, out of Tzfas. If you go up uh, to Tzfas from the um, coastal side, 
rather than from the uh, Yarden, the Jordan River side. Um, you pass through the city of Mir- the, the town of Miron, and as mentioned before, many Jews make an annual pilgrimage to the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai on the day of Lagba Omer, the 18th of Iyar. And they'll be traveling up there right now um, in order to be there for tonight and for the great festivities and the great celebrations. There's always a tumult in Israel at this time. And there are always complaints um, on the day after that there weren't enough buses to cope with the huge, huge crowds, the numbers of people who travel up there, of course. People light candles and pray at the grave. Um, one can hardly get close to the grave, I guess, on this day. Never been there personally myself, but this day of his yard site. Now, why should it be that this, that, that the day of the yard site then is marked as a day of celebration? Well, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was a great mystic. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, um, was also a great teacher of what Judaism is truly all about. Now, if we think about it, when we um, talk about a body and a soul, what is the more important? Well, unfortunately, a physical material world makes us so much more involved in the physical, in the bodily, um, and uh, those are the things that we seem to relate to a lot better than we do to the soul felt heartfelt spiritual things and spiritual dimensions of our lives. And yet, when we just pause and think of it for a moment, of course, it's the soul that's more important. Of course, it's the neshama. Of course, um, that is your life. Without that, the body is absolutely useless. Oh, you might say that without the body, the soul is um, unable to do what it has to do. But certainly your personality, your being, your spirituality, your connection to Hashem, your connection to God is contained in your neshama and your soul. So when somebody passes on, it is the body that has died and the soul continues to live. And Rabbi Shimon taught his students that on the day that he um, was going to pass away, he wanted them to mark the day rather with a celebration, rather with an understanding that um, a great sage who uh, lives a life certainly like he did, um, right at the end of his life, is actually given a chance to reach the fruition of his life, the very reason of why he was sent into this world in the first place. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai certainly accomplished that, um, raising up so many students, teaching a whole world, the mystical dimensions of Torah in his Zohar, um, seeing to it that people understood um, the depth of um, an ashama of a soul and the souls of each and every one of us um, being that much more important, far more important, than the physical, the material. And therefore, on Lagba Omer, we have an actual celebration of that. It is in no way a rejoicing at the fact that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away on this day, but rather a rejoicing in the fact that we understand that our lives continue in a spiritual sense after we have left this world. And certainly when we talk about tzaddikim, when we talk about the righteous, and when we talk about somebody of the caliber of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that it's on the day of the Yard site that the neshama has an aliyah, that the neshama goes ever higher, that the soul is elevated. It is rather than being a day of death and end, demise and darkness, it is a day of great light where we understand that this great sage, this great tzaddik, um, his life's work reached fruition, it came to completion and therefore it is on this day that his soul certainly and together with 
all of those who are students, all of those who follow the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, uh, both in the Talmud as well as in his mystical Kabbalah and so on, are elevated on this day. It's a day of great upliftment, a day of great light in an otherwise dark world. And the commemoration around the students of Rabbi Akiva who ceased to perish on this day is added to by one of the students of Rabbi Akiva who did not perish um, in that um, terrible, terrible plague, who in fact outlived um, not only the plague, but outlived the ter- terrible Roman persecutors who really wanted to kill him um, in the most incredible of circumstances and taught us so much, not only about resilience and not only about um, the fact that our Torah and our teachings of Torah and our spirituality and our godliness and our souls and our um can take us to much, much higher places and can outlive the worst of persecutions and the most difficult of times. And so therefore, tonight and tomorrow, great celebration, not only for the students of Rabbi Akiva and the fact that on this day none of them died, but for Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who in fact did die on this particular day, but a completely different message from the death of uh, Rabbi, uh, the passing of uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai than the students of Rabbi Akiva. Be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Well, we're talking about the interesting and fascinating uh, people about whom Lagba Omer is celebrated. I'd like to share with you a little story about Rabbi Akiva. You know, Rabbi Akiva knew, uh, Rabbi Akiva, in fact, was once a diamond merchant. In fact, um, we don't often hear about Rabbi Akiva other than him being this incredibly um, astute, powerful, and uh, learned uh, Torah scholar, <clears throat> but Rabbi Akiva bought and sold diamonds and precious stones to earn his living, and uh, he once had a strange customer. Rabbi Akiva knew the man and had always thought him poor because he was poorly dressed and would always sit in the base medrash among the poor people. Um, the man once said to him, I want to buy a precious pearl, and I'll pay your price, but I have no money with me. If it be good enough to come with me to my home, I'll pay you then. Rabbi Akiva thought that the man was joking, but nevertheless decided to go along with him. As they came into the house of the poor man, many servants came out to greet their master. They washed his dusty feet and they seated him on a golden chair. The man offered his servants to bring the box where he kept his money, and he paid Rabbi Akiva the full price of the pearl. Then he ordered that the pearl be pounded into a fine powder. Rabbi Akiva was startled and asked the man, You paid so much money for this precious pearl, now you made a powder of it? Why did you do it? You see, dear rabbi, the man replied, I buy pearls, and I beat them into powder, and I mix them with certain medicines to give to the poor. The man ordered the table to be set with the finest foods and wines and invited Rabbi Akiva and his students to have dinner with him. After dinner, Rabbi Akiva asked the man, I see that you are very rich. Tell me, why do you dress so poorly and sit among the poor men? as though you were one of them. I often hear our great sages teach us that God does not like proud men. And anyway, how can I be proud of my wealth? What is man's life? And isn't man's wealth wealth but a passing shadow? Today I'm alive, tomorrow who knows? Today I'm rich, tomorrow who knows? Maybe I'll be poor. And so it will not be difficult for me to find my place among the poor. 
If I do not climb high, the fall will not hurt me. But that is only where it concerns me personally. When it comes to giving stock and supporting Torah institutions, you'll not find me poor. Only, I like to do it quietly because I seek no honor for myself. Rabbi Akiva blessed the man to live long, to remain rich all his life. He said we'd be able to continue doing so much good in his wonderful way. So, our Pirkei Avot tells us in chapter 5, 23, whoever has these three things is of the disciples of Avraham Avinu, of Abraham our father, a good eye, a humble mind, and a lowly spirit. The disciples of Avraham our father enjoyed this world and inherit the world to come. So, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the two great teachers, the two great sages of this time, the two great lights, and... Um, Lagba Omer, tonight and tomorrow, is celebrated, as we said, by making bonfires. Why bonfires? Well, because of the light, the great light and warmth that um, the teachings of uh, the great sages, particularly Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, brought to the world. It was a bonfire of light, and we kindle that light. And it's regarded as a great, great segula, a great, um, uh, beautiful merit. Um, that is actually an honor that is afforded to the uh, greats of the generation to be able to go to um, Miron, to the place of um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's burial, and tonight to light the first fire. Um, so the idea of lighting bonfires and sitting around them and understanding that they not only bring us light, but they bring us warmth as well, um, and that only the physical is consumed, but the flame, the fire, continues to reach upwards as a soul continues to reach upwards. This is something very beautiful about the idea of bonfires. And students, pupils, children are encouraged to have activities, to go out into parks. Well, it was under Roman oppression that um, the students of Rabbi Akiva needed to try and hide the fact that they were going out to learn Torah and they sometimes had to pretend that they were going out into the fields to go hunting when in fact they were meeting up secretly with their great teachers in order to avoid the terrible persecution of the Romans. So uh, bows and arrows perhaps were taken along with them, but there is a much deeper mystical idea behind the bows and arrows. Now we're told that one of the ideas is the fact that it was <coughs> during the life of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that uh, a rainbow never occurred in the sky. So the idea of a bow, um, a rainbow, you get it, bow, rainbow, and the idea of the bow and arrow is uh, something that we do during his lifetime. There was no rainbow because God could not possibly have ever needed to send a message that he wouldn't destroy the world, um, which, of course, the rainbow pre uh, typifies and predicts as it did in the time of Noah. But uh, because of the merit of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, there could never be such a thing. And so during his lifetime, there was never a rainbow on earth. We'll come back to you after this with another very beautiful, deep meaning behind the bow and arrow. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we're talking about Lag Omer tonight and tomorrow. And of course, if you're in the Joburg area, you need to get to the uh, park next to the Great Park Shul um, for this evening's celebrations, un Unity Shmuza um, uh, program that is going to be taking place um, from later on this afternoon and into the evening. I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots of fun and loads of excitement and you know, great things for families, for children, for everybody to be able to enjoy because tonight, of course, is Lagba Omer. 
Um, hopefully, weather will hold and it'll be a beautiful, beautiful evening. Of course, it's not too cold yet. And uh, so a wonderful event uh, taking place tonight. Please make sure that you're there. I think that I saw somewhere that it's opening from about 4.30 this afternoon. So later on this afternoon and early evening, get to the Great Park for the Grand Lagbomer celebration of Johannesburg. Of course, on a year when it, there is uh, when Lagbomer occurs on a Sunday, as it was last year, um, we would be holding a great Lagba Omer parade on Lagba Omer. Um, this was instituted in the uh, beginning in the 1950s by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, encouraging Jewish children to join together in a parade as a show of unity and Jewish pride. And that leads me to the idea, perhaps, from a mystical point of view behind the bow and arrow. You know, an arrow and a bow um, were often probably thought about as being weapons, but um, the idea of beating your swords into plowshares perhaps comes in here as well. And that is that the uh, bow and arrow have a very, very deep and beautiful significance when we think about the fact that if somebody is going to shoot an arrow out of a bow, and uh, they are pulling the bow strings back in order to be able to fire that arrow. They actually take the strings back towards their heart. Ever noticed an archer who is shooting a bow and arrow? He pulls the strings back towards his heart. And then the arrow flies out and hopefully hits its target. And uh, we're told in a beautiful mystical way. That is, this not the idea behind the concept of how we are supposed to reach out to our fellow men. And of course, the idea of a parade of Jewish pride, of getting together on Lagba Omer, has this idea of Jewish unity, of uh, sharing, of caring, of being one, of being one community and uh, showing that unity and that love for each other. And is this not really what Lagba Omer is actually all about? Yes, we need to thwart the terrible uh, curses and scourges of um, dissension and of uh, separation and of uh, all the negatives that came about and that do come about and that actually destroyed the students of Rabbi Akiva and could destroy communities, people and relationships today. We need to reach in our hearts in order to extend to others and then to make sure that our arrows, an arrow of love actually reaches the heart of um the other person of the other individual of the other people that we're trying to reach and the deeper we go into our own hearts as the beautiful saying is dvarim hayotzim min alev nichnasim el alev words that come from the heart will certainly penetrate the heart if we are um, saying things and doing things and showing our love and our care for each other those words that come from the heart and the deeper that they come from your heart the more they will penetrate the hearts of others bringing us all our hearts together, bringing us all together in the most beautiful way, which um, is really depicted by and is really spelled out by this beautiful Chag, this beautiful festival tonight and tomorrow of Lagba Omer. So I want to wish you a great Lagba Omer. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. And I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.